This is MC Fireside Chats, a weekly show devoted to the outdoor hospitality industry, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. You'll hear from special guests that focus on topics to help your business succeed, all backed by Modern Campground, the most innovative news source in the industry. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of MC Fireside Chats. My name is Brian Searle with Insider Brooks and Modern Campground. We are here, as always, with Kira Sismati from the Canadian Camping and RV Council, as well as Angela Hilton, who is joining us from the back of a restaurant. True dedicated commitment there to being on the show, the editor-in-chief of Modern Campground. We really appreciate her taking some time here. She just got, what did you just get done doing, Angela? Making, was it scones, you said, or? Ah, uh, a croissant making class. Croissant making, which is way more so delicious and important than this show. All the carbs. You can't yeah. go wrong. And you're bringing some of those to us, right? Like, were there shipments in the mail? Yeah, sure. I'll put yours in the mail. All right. <laughs> I think it'll be good by the time it gets to Canada. So uh, really appreciate you guys joining us again. We're happy to have a really important conversation today, at least in my opinion, about diversity. And I don't want to be the person that guides this conversation. So we've got a lot of amazing guests on here. We've got Earl from Black Folks Camp 2. We've got Lindsay Lerner, Al, David, and Eddie from Full-Time Gays, Full-Time RVers. And so I want to go around the room first and let each person introduce themselves and not just introduce themselves, but give a backstory as to why you feel you can speak to these issues, what diversity maybe means in your eyes and your mind. And then I just am hoping that all of you will play off each other and tell our audience of campground owners and industry people and suppliers, just kind of what they should be focusing on, what you've seen, what has improved, what still needs to improve, and just take the conversation wherever you want to go. But I want to play a background role in this show as much as I can. Earl, I know you a little bit. We met each other a couple years ago at an Arvid convention. You probably don't remember, I'm sure. Uh, but we did, and you came across as a really intelligent, amazing guy, and I'm, I'm super thankful that you've had so much success that you're still flying to Vegas, keynoting, doing all these kinds of cool things. And so let's start with you, Earl. Just introduce yourself, a little bit of your backstory and what diversity means to you, and take it wherever you want from there. Right on. So first of all, to the audience, I'm sitting in the airport, so you're going to hear some background noise. I hate to hate that's happening, but I'm actually flying out as uh, stated. But it's Earl B. Hunter, Jr. I'm actually the uh, founding president of Black Folks Camp, too. Our, our job and uh, our company is to remove fear, add knowledge, and invite more Black folks to camp and enjoy the outdoor lifestyle with any and everyone. And if you're wondering who any and everyone is, just pick up a mirror, and then you'll see that any and everyone right in that mirror. I, I, my background is that I was an executive in the outdoor industry, particularly in the RV industry, one of the only Black executives in the $114 billion industry. My claim to fame is taking a company from 815000 to 17 $17.5 million in four years. And so my the mantra that I have in my space and what people know of me is that I know how to drive a business and I like building businesses. One of the greatest biz businesses that we have, which we're not a nonprofit, we are a for-profit business, which is Black Folks Camp 2, is the legacy of inviting, educating, and removing that generation of fear from folks to look like me to enjoy not only just public lands, but the RV industry, the RV lifestyle, campgrounds, and all that kind of good stuff. Because at the end of the day, if you camp, uh, if you've been camping for a long time, you hadn't seen many folks that look like me. 
And our job is not to build a segregated outdoors. Our job is to build a, a truly inclusive outdoors. And the campfire on our logo is certainly what we want to build around. So I look forward to having this conversation with y'all. Just to warn everyone, I don't sugarcoat anything when it comes to this because I'm a data. We're a data company. We're not a group. We're not a club. And I've spent a ton of money on data. And so I don't deal in opinions. I did in facts. Good. That's what we really like. Please don't sugarcoat anything for us. I like that. I appreciate that. And I respect that. So before we go on to the next person, what does diversity mean to you? Just, I know that's a broad thing and it's intentionally that way, but what does it mean to you? Diversity, diversity for me is treating everyone everywhere equally, right? And that's what we stand for. I want folks to feel welcome. Doesn't matter your race, your age, your gender. I want folks to feel welcome in the outdoors, particularly in the 640 million acres of public land that we own, uh, that we all own. I want folks to feel like it doesn't matter, again, your race, your age, your gender, you should be welcome into a space where people treat you with respect. And before that, from a standpoint of diversity, I, I think if you look at every other uh, industry, besides the outdoor industry, diversity all over the place, and those industries are better. Our industry, which is the outdoor industry, will get better when we have more diversity in this space. Awesome. Thank you so much, sir. David and Eddie, you want to go next? Yeah, sure. Thanks so much. And it's great to be here. We are David and Eddie. We have a YouTube channel called Full Time Gaze that we started a couple of years ago, has a few thousand followers on it. And what we do is we live full time in our 43 foot fifth wheel. We've been doing that for about three and a half years. We started the channel uh, while on a road trip around the country uh, a couple of years back when we realized that all of the things that we were trying to find out about getting to a campground, not necessarily gay campgrounds, LGBT oriented campgrounds, but any, you know, there, there were a lot of unanswered questions on a lot of websites in terms of how easy is it for a big rig to get to a campground? How is the internet availability there, whether it's through, uh, through Wi-Fi or uh, cell phone signal if people have hotspots, in order to make sure that people like us that work full time can work, uh, while we travel. And then also there was not a really good resource that we found that reviewed campgrounds based on those and other factors in the LGBT community. And while gay and lesbian and bisexual and transgender folks don't just camp at quote unquote, LGBT focused campgrounds to the earlier point, we're everywhere. Uh, there are a network of about 60 campgrounds throughout North America that do cater to that audience. And so we decided that we would try to fill that niche in the market, give our thoughts, our two cents as objectively as possible in terms of the vibe, getting there with big rigs, what kind of grounds and facilities does a campground have? And then, as I mentioned, the internet, and it just happened to take off. And now everywhere we go, we get recognized and we're future uh, campground owners ourselves that so we're aspiring. Uh, to be that. And so we do this not just to help other people, but to educate ourselves as well. Yeah, we also wanted to make sure that uh, the LGBT community also knew that there were camping options for them. So even if they didn't want to stay at, say, a state park or a national park, there was actually venues that they can go to that was focused on their needs. Okay, awesome. And what does diversity mean to both of you? It's a great question. And you know, it goes way beyond LGBT or even color, you know, skin color or religion. If we're focusing, if we're focusing on the LGBT aspect of it, but historically gay folks have had to go way back in the day to, to bars, to, you know, incognito speakeasy bars. That's of course opened up as we all know, over the past several years, at least in a lot of areas, there's still a lot of areas that have a lot of, a lot more progress to make. but really as the pandemic hit, it especially, uh, a lot of folks that had a refuge 
refuge, a safe space at, at the gates, et cetera, in the big cities. And then those that don't live in the big cities that never had that, suddenly camping became an alternative. Like, hey, I can still do something. I can still socialize in a reasonably safe way with precautions that potentially is open during a pandemic. Let me go explore this. And as a result, day camping as, as an industry is in a boom right now and continues even as COVID restrictions are easing. And so diversity really is, in addition to just being LGBT, it's the fact that it's opening up a new avenue of recreation for folks in a, a quote unquote safe space that maybe they didn't know about before. Maybe they're going by necessity, but now that they're seeing it, now that they're experiencing, hey, you can go RVing, you can go in a tent, you can rent a cabin. Suddenly now it's not just about being in the city. It's not just about going downtown to the neighborhood. There's a lot more out there and you can do it in a beautiful, serene setting. You can do it outside of the cities. You can do it in traditionally conservative areas. And by and large, people are welcoming and embracing of it. David, anything to add? Yeah, it, it's not just what David had said, but to add to that is folks who would typically go to a bar in their city would find their crowd. Now they're going out and camping and they're finding a whole mix of crowds, whether it be someone of a different color or gender or identity, age, they're all mixing and mingling in these campgrounds. And it's really nice to see that we're getting away from, we're having just a gay venue or a straight venue. It's now all coming together. Awesome. Lindsay, you want to go next? I think I can do that. Hey, everyone. So see some familiar faces and meet some, uh, some new ones. And for me, I got involved specifically in diversity, disabilities, equity, and inclusion when it comes to the outdoor space. Uh, a couple of years ago, I started a company that uh, no longer exists anymore, but I started a company called Banter, and it was a mobile app that made going places easy and safe for diverse communities, whether that was LGBTQ, folks with disabilities, folks with culture, whatever, any and all boxes you checked, we wanted to make sure that you could go places safely and have a really great experience when you got there. And me, my background, I've been in the music industry for the last 10 years or so prior to getting into the, the travel realm. And I have been a tour manager, worked primarily with hip hop groups. Uh, and most of those folks were all men of color. And the amount of times that I went back and forth across the country and had really negative interactions when, uh, really great reactions when I showed up to a hotel, but really negative reactions when other folks would, would join me from the band, particularly folks at the front desk being very warm and kind to me and then asking me, hey, sweetie, do you need help getting away from them? Things like that didn't quite fly uh, with me. And then in my personal life, I became a van lover a couple years ago, sold my van last year. David and Eddie, I'm a little envious of seeing a singer break right now, but we'll, we'll be back road again soon. But on the personal side of things, when I had my van, I was primarily by myself, but occasionally my partner and my daughter would come with me. My partner is an Afro-Latino woman and my daughter is a, is black. And so it was really eye-opening for me on the personal side of things, as well as the professional side of things to see how I'm able to navigate through the world and not really run into any issues, but anytime that I'm bringing people I care about, how it impacts them. Uh, and so very passionate about uh, all things diversity, disability, equity, and inclusion. And I'm really excited to figure out how we can all come together to figure out new creative ways just to make things better for everyone, especially when it comes to the outdoors, because everyone deserves to be able to get outdoors in a safe way. 
And what is, what does diversity mean to you, Lindsay? I think just to pull off of what, what Earl and, and Dave and Eddie have, have already said, it's just, it's, I wish it was, I wish it didn't matter. <laughs> I wish it could all be celebrated rather than using it to divide us. The fact that I'll, like I, I have a pretty tight relationship with, with Al and I've chatted with Earl quite a bit and I know that I mean, their unique stories just make them that much more interesting and that much more exciting to talk to and to hang out with and that's what everyone brings to the table and for me I really truly believe that diversity is what drives creativity and is what drives innovation and if we can accept that we'll get further rather than fighting it. Awesome thank you uh, and then Al last uh last for last maybe? Cool. <laughs> Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you for having me on. It's what were the questions again? I'm sorry. That was like really focused just, on what everybody just else was saying. Introduce yourself. Tell us why you feel like you can speak to this issue, a little bit of your background, exactly. how you're focused on diversity, and then as a sidebar, what diversity means to you. Got it. Al, Al Berrios, the founder and general manager of Outer There. Outer There is a New York City based tour operator. We operate 100 tours a year now, one of the largest here in New York City. And being in New York has also is part of what started to change our focus from just the cultures, various cultures across all the activities that we operate tours around versus something a little bit more specific to the question of diversity. So unlike other tour operators, we focus year round, which means we're not just doing hikes and camping trips. We're also doing uh, bike tours, paddling trips. We're doing skiing and snowboarding. So we're operating year round and every one of those activities has their own culture associated with it. I'm sure that you've heard of ski bums and the guys who, who surf guys and every culture. Now those cultures are not always welcoming. And part of the reason uh, they're not welcoming could be because it takes a lot of time and investment to get to become part of those cultures. They have their own language, which kind of makes it a little bit more exclusive if you don't know the language. And of course, the big one, they, they have different types of investments that it requires to get into. So the investment in bouldering is one thing, an investment in ice climbing is another, but it's part of how it more much more exclusive things get. So for me, things started around exclusivity, not necessarily diversity. For this is my my tenth season that I've been doing this, and for over years, over the years, friends have not always wanted, our guests have not always wanted to do one thing versus another. And as I and really the opportunity to speak about it happened last year in the middle of pandemic, we hosted two two trips, an LBGT trip, and another one focused around Juneteenth, and the. I took advantage, took out my camera and started asking people, why are you coming on this trip versus another trip? And a lot of the things that Earl in particular and David Eddy also said were, you're not always feeling safe. You're not always feeling welcome and in different spaces that you go to. So that became like the wake up call. And I've been trying to get people to try all these different activities, but nobody seems to want to try them. Now, I have not necessarily experienced the same sense not being safe. I'm, all, I'm 5'11", I'm almost 200 pounds. When I walk into a room and I want to do a thing, I, that thing gets done. That's not the case for a lot of other people, especially BIPOC, LBGT, and of course, even single bombs and older folks have challenges walking into a room or walking into a space and, and, and feeling welcome. So that became our mantra. Everyone is welcome. When you ask what diversity means to me, that's what it means. It means not feeling judged, not feeling shamed for not having the latest gear, feeling respected, feeling heard. And those are the things that uh, we as an organization try to do at all our trips. Our hosts, our first line of interaction with a, a lot of a lot, all of our guests, they go through 60 hours of training. 
a lot of this training, it happens on the trips, but before they're able to host their own trip, they know everything about every person that they're about to encounter. Things like how to speak, how to not use the word, hey guys, in conversations, because not everyone there is a guy. Or whenever we are interacting with a third party, a tour operator. So we do not own a whole fleet of, of rafts. So whenever we go ra on a, a whitewater rafting trip, we want to make sure that, okay, is this environment is this space safe? Are the guides all well-trained in safety? Are they, are, are they just not really paying attention to, and if, and are they trying to shame you for not going fast enough or not paddling a certain way? These things are the things that I want to point out to when it comes to what we I've experienced across the wide spectrum of what it is to be Northeast outdoors. That's where we're at our footprint. And whenever we do these things, that's what I, what like really fires me up, like the opportunity to change from allowing, from bringing our guests to those spaces that don't treat us respectfully to now creating our own spaces and our own experiences where we are treating our guests with the utmost respect and seeing those guests come back over and over and over again over the years. We've also helped eliminate a lot of those barriers from the ability to get from point A to point B. So being in New York, our audience is 99% New Yorkers. We do not, uh, New York is always drive. So we are trying to, how do we get New Yorker from New York City to wherever we're going to go? So we're providing transportation. Uh, not a, again, the pricing I mentioned, not everyone could afford to do a lot of these things, particularly now we're going into the winter, winter season. Skiing and snowboarding, it's very expensive. So we try to provide subsidies or wherever we can, we try to lower the price as much as we can. We provide a free lending library for all the gear you might need, including skiing and snowboarding, camping gear. And of course, we do everything from support to training and like Dave and Eddie, we actually scout a lot of places before we invite our guests to make sure that they are welcoming that if they're saying they're all about diversity and inclusion, they mean it and they mean it with their actions, not just something that they say. So that's our story in a nutshell. I think I got everything right. I think you did, Al. Yeah, I really appreciate it. So I want to turn it over to all of you, to Al, to Lindsay, to David, to Eddie, to Earl, to just have a conversation and to give you some context from the Canadian Camping and RV Council, which is the National Association of Campgrounds up here in Canada. She also used to own an RV park that catered to a lot of different demographics. Angela is the editor-in-chief uh, of Modern Campground, who covers a lot of these stories on a regular basis. Uh, and our audience is primarily campground and RV park owners and operators, managers, their staff, people who supply things to the industry. And what I'm looking for is what do they need to hear? Where does the conversation need to go? And I'm hopefully that hopeful that you guys can all help steer that in whatever direction you feel is necessary. So whoever wants to start. I'll, I'll start. One of the things I tell folks, particularly in this space, is that Black Folks Camp 2, we, we're a very inclusive company. We don't, I don't want to see black folks just going into the outdoors just to be with black folks. I don't want to see white folks wanting to be in the outdoors just going to the outdoors with just white folks. The outdoor industry and lifestyle is already the most segregated field and lifestyle and industry in the world. I don't want to go create another segregated outdoors. What I want is for black folks to feel like, I want black folks to feel, hey, you feel edu get educated enough to go into the outdoors, particularly, look, I live in the South, okay? And we have some amazing places here in the South. There are a lot of groups, a lot of clubs, and a lot of all types of organizations that are out west and up north, but not really many in the south. And I don't think, honestly, for us, we're not a club or a group at all. Our job, our job is to educate not only just black folks, but our job is to educate the majority of the folks who enjoy the lifestyle right now, which are predominantly white folks, on the reasons why black folks hadn't been in the outdoors. And so that they will then understand that we have generational fear, we have lack of knowledge, and we have, uh, we have really not really never been invited into a space that we would thrive in um, because 
the fact that we we love and enjoy the outdoor lifestyle if we were not fearful of the outdoors. And I talk about this fear because my great grandmother told my grandmother, told my mother, told me, don't go in those woods. And these things resonate with folks until generationally. However, myself, I've never experienced anything awful in the outdoors. I don't, I don't necessarily want to see different campgrounds. I want to see campgrounds where they welcome everyone. This is not something that I'm not proud of when I see a Black-owned campground just catering to Black folks or a, a gay, lesbian-owned campground catering just to lesbian folks. That, to me, that's what we're building, a more segregated environment. I want it, the, the businesses to understand that there, is, there are customers out there. We all are different. We all have different spaces. We all require different things. And it's okay to cater to everyone because camping is camping. When we get around that campfire, you start having conversations, you're going to find out you have, we have more sames and differences. And we have to get folks to respect our differences before we can move on to anything else. If we try to segregate ourselves and hide behind our titles and whatever it may be, whether it be a black person, a white person, a gay, a lesbian person, or anyone else, a woman, or anything else, what we're going to do is create more issues for our children. And for me, what I would tell campgrounds straight up, make sure that your staff and yourself, you are really keenly involved into what you're wanting to, to be as your business. This is a business. These are businesses. This is not a kumbaya. We, any business and every business out there, particularly all the businesses that I know that are diverse in their space, in their workers, in their employees, in their, in their thinking, they do better. They are better. I played football at a very high level, and it was a very mixed group of folks on this team, and we won games because we fought together as a unit. For the magazines, for the campgrounds out there, you know, it is time to have a different thinking to think that everyone is welcome. Treat everyone everywhere equally will be fine. Going off of what you just said, Earl, thank you for that. It's interesting that you use the word kumbaya because it's a business in business to make kumbaya moments for folks that go there. And I, I think it's one of those where there's room for both. There's room for campgrounds that are geared toward a specific demographic, whatever that demographic happens to be. There's adult-only campgrounds. There's family campgrounds. There's gay men only. There's lesbian only. There's LGBT, to your point. There's room for all of those. And we've seen those in our travels. And we don't just go to, again, air quote, LGBT campgrounds, although that's the majority of the ones we go to. There's a place in Vermont that we discovered this year called Vermont Freedom. Tiny little campground way upstate in Vermont in a town called Greensboro Bend. And it's owned by a gay gentleman in his 60s. He started it as a hobby, so he wouldn't get fat, as he said. That was his whole desire to do it. And it's Exactly what you just described. It's an everybody live and let live a place. Yes, there you are. Yeah. Retirees, a straight retiree couple in the camper next to us, a gay couple in the other camper next to us, a lesbian couple across the street, straight couples that you know, our age, our 30s and 40s down the road, and everybody got along great. And that, to me, embodies the ideal, I, I think, earlier you were trying to, to, to speak to. Does it happen everywhere? No. Can it? Maybe somebody mentioned something about being in the, I think it's also about the South. It's interesting. Some of the very first, or at least the majority of gay lesbian campgrounds at least were in like the South, Southeast, the more air quote conservative areas. And, and now that there's less of a need for LGBT folks to necessarily congregate in the gay neighborhoods within the big cities at the gay bars and, you know, the libraries and their gay restaurants, a lot of cities have those and still do. 
But because that's becoming less necessary, I think campgrounds catering to that community or those communities are springing up in other places now too. And that's a good thing. Where the challenge is, speaking just in terms of like LGBT campgrounds is you have such a subset. There's all male, as I said, there's a campground in Michigan that went through an enormous controversy earlier this year because it was an all male campground and their definition as a private, not a you know, private club campground was that should be just the cis males or, or naturally born males. In other words, exclusionary of transgender. And at the end of the day, it turned out that it was a big misunderstanding and a lot of opportunity for learning and for growth. And it served that purpose, but it also showed to underscore the deep divides that still exist, even within some of these communities that are out there. And it doesn't just have to be within the LGBT community. It, it could be communities of people of color or different religions, or even campgrounds that are for generally for older folks or retirees versus those that are, have a lot more younger children. I think those things still exist everywhere. And I think the change that it starts with the culture that the owners of any given campground choose to create for it. Definitely. And I think that to piggyback a little bit of what you're just speaking to, it comes down more to the intersectionality of it. You could have a ton of Black-friendly campgrounds, you could have a ton of LGBTQ-friendly campgrounds, but if I go to a place and I bring my entire family with me, there's a line. And the amount of times that I've showed up at family-friendly campgrounds that have the little rainbow flag on it on Yelp that say it's LGBTQ-friendly, that's great. But that doesn't mean that they're not racist. And that doesn't mean that they're not going to treat me poorly because of the people that I'm traveling with because that Afro-Latino or Black. And so that, I think, is the other part of this that more people to have need to have conversations about. I think there's a lot of pinkwashing, rainbowwashing, whatever you call it, all over the place. With see, I've seen more rainbow flags this year than any other year, but there's the added layers that, that go deeper and deeper the more that you get into it. And that, I think, are those are more of the things that we need to be talking about. I've had a lot of these conversations with, with Al over the course of the last year or so, just looking at, okay, great, we're going to get a bunch of different people out here, but how are we going to make them comfortable and what's going to make them comfortable? That's nice. Let me hop right back in for one second. One of the things I think that a lot of folks miss in regards to uh, conversation, mainly because we don't have a lot of conversation, we miss the education part. People have to be educated. There are campgrounds out there and there are people out there that have not dealt with different communities, particularly in the Black community. Campgrounds out there haven't dealt with. I've seen Black folks at campgrounds and I, I don't want to deem folks because they haven't seen folks grounds and not knowing how to react to culturally some of the things that we like, some of the things that we don't like. I want to educate these folks so that when they see folks that look like us coming to the campgrounds, they understand that when we don't know things, uh, not to treat us any differently, but to teach us and what to do at campgrounds, teach us how to make fires, teach us these things that we don't know. The, the greatest thing that we can do, that one of the worst things we can do one is to treat them bad about things they don't know. And we have to educate people, just like we have to educate black folks about the outdoors. We have to educate the predominantly, the predominantly, the lifestyle and the industry on why black folks haven't been in the outdoors so that they then understand the reasons to get us there or to make us feel more comfortable. I'm big on education. We, our company, we've partnered with Leave No Trace. Our company, we've partnered with the states, plenty of states. We have states on our resume, folks that we deal with every single day. And I tell them every day, just like I tell everyone on this call, we have to have communication, 
We have to have amazing conversations. We have to do work and we have to do very sincere, meaningful, measured, so it can be sustainable work. Otherwise, we'll continue to have these podcasts and these conversations every single day without any action being taken. I'm going to say something a little controversial, but it's the, sorry, girl, is the opposite of what you're saying, but it, if they wanted us in their spaces, we would have been welcome years ago. Why? This industry, the outdoor recreation industry, it's a $900 billion industry with 60 to 70% white audiences. What does that tell you? That means a lot of BIPOCs and everybody else who's not spending in this industry because they're simply not welcome. It's not a matter of education. Americans have learned Chinese to go sell in China, but they won't deal with us in our, in their own backyards. So I, I, I do think that action is more important. It comes from those companies who are working with you and, and, and the leadership is getting involved in the training and, and the way that, that their guests are being treated. Those leaders are the ones who are ultimately going to make a difference in in this industry because it's a top-down thing it can't be like the leaders hire consultants the consultants go and train everybody else and then, you know, there's no incentives behind there's no reason the companies are just not giving their frontline teams any reasons to to do more above and beyond and, and let me tell you welcoming people that you are not familiar with is a little bit above and beyond for everybody unless it's part of your dna unless you're you can educate there is no edu more education necessary for this issue everyone knows everything they need to know it's a matter of willingness and this is why how many years haven't we been part of this industry going out? There's, there's a couple that, that we, I was just reading about. They spent, what, 50, 60 years RVing the whole country, 192,000 miles, black couple. And, and they've seen it all and all, and they believe the same, that if, if everyone can be welcome. If there's great people out there. But what we're talking about specifically is the broader industry. And the broader industry, I don't think they really care. I don't think they really are interested. So what does that mean to me? That means I'm the one who has to go out there and do the work. I'm the one who has to really create the experience and then invite them as opposed to really for them to invite us into their spaces. When they see that we can themselves and it's equally all the time, everywhere. Well, you know, this Al, thank you so much for that conversation and for that for your points. I think the industry is uh, doing a lot. I, I'm, I'm inside of this industry quite a bit from the top down. And I think one of the things I, I talked about earlier is about data. I spent over a quarter million dollars last year just in data alone. We took out over two, 300, 400 folks out in the outdoors to gain this data. And what we learned in this data that 97% of the folks who we spoke to, particularly the white folks, they have no clue on why black folks hadn't been in the outdoors, have no clue why we haven't expo been exposed to the public lands. And so I'm going off the data based on which we have. And so when you don't know the reason why folks hadn't been in the outdoors, you tend to not know how to help. It's almost going to a doctor. If you don't know, if you go there with a, with, your foot is hurting and, and, you, and, and they go checking your brain, then you're, well, what are you doing? I want folks to know the reason why we haven't been in the outdoors, why we haven't been there. And when they know that, they typically ask me, Earl, what can I do? And I tell them straight up, Go find some black friends and take them in the outdoors. This is, for me, I am, I'm very adamant about this. I, I didn't love the outdoors before I got into the, I didn't know anything about the outdoor industry. What made me change and wanted to change the outdoor industry and lifestyle is when I was involved in it, when I was the only black executive in this space. I wanted to make sure that not only that we enjoyed the lifestyle, but that black folks were actually in this industry. 
we have this amazing scholarship program. We, so so I, I say to folks all the time, we are an action-orientated company. We are very action-orientated to the point that we everything we do is sincere, it is meaningful, it is very measured so that it's going to be sustainable. I just believe that folks have to be aware of the reasons why folks have issues. And once they are aware of the folks and why they have and, and on the issues that they have, then we then start to have, more, we start to put in action items in places, put in action items to, to help these folks get over this. It's gonna be a long time. It's gonna take a long time for folks to look like me to want to go into the outdoors on their own, a long time. And I know that because again, I'm, I'm, I'm in this space and I'm doing this every single day, which like uh, many of you are as well. However, our approach is just a little bit different. Our approach is if there's 49,900 folks are in the industry or in the lifestyle that don't look like me, or in 45 million of those folks look like me, hell, if 35 million of those folks really want to get some work done, I say 35 million folks, go find them somebody that looks like me and take them in the outdoors. We'll have 35 million more folks that look like me in the outdoors, period. This is not rocket science, but people need to know what's going on first. And I just don't want to ding anybody about something that they don't know. Now, when they know and they don't do anything, that's when I want to say, what's the problem there? Can I ask here? Oh, I'm sorry. No, go right ahead. I just, I, here in Canada, our provincial and federal governments who both have ownership of several public land spaces across the country do several targeted new camper campaigns to new Canadians of various cultural demographics. And they actually take them out to campgrounds. Campgrounds closer to some of our urban centers, so they don't have as far to go, but taking them to campgrounds and walks through the process, basic things like pitching a tent or how to plug it. They'll get a couple of RV rentals out there and plug, the, plug them in and teach them how to work those connections and things like that. Are there programs like that in, in the States anywhere to your guys' knowledge? Yes. Sorry. I see those programs all the time. There's, there's REI, as a matter of fact, one of which I think is against your MER or MRI or well, the big uh, outdoor retailer. They, they, they're, and in fact, all of the manufacturers have programs, sponsorships, funds, grants, everything to encourage and incentivize more people of color to participate in outdoor activities, to have representation. It is done. And that's just the retail side. On the government agency side, absolutely. I, I see these programs all the time. We have an outgoing head of, of our park service is a, is a, is a Cuban-American man or was previously, but yeah, I, I do not think the, the, um, I think there's a lot of comparison here with the difference being, there's just a lot of things that, that unlike, like we're all saying, there's not a lot of education there that, that is being done across both sides. I'm going to, yeah, I'm, I have more to say, but I want others to speak first. <laughs> so I'll, I'll speak up a little bit. I think there's room for both. And I think that both are, can at the same time simultaneously exist. They're are probably a lot of people in multiple you know, minority communities that don't know. To say they don't know about camping is probably disingenuous. They know about camping, but they've never just even thought about it, maybe in terms of something that would be that they'd want to do for a, a variety of reasons. It, I can speak to the LGBT community, at least my part of it, my own experience in it, I should say, in that a lot of times when I was growing up, I didn't think about camping because it didn't feel like, again, that safe space, not that it wasn't, but it didn't feel like one. Instead, I had gay bars to go to and I had groups that had youth groups that I could be part of or, or choruses that I could sing in. And, and it's not unreasonable to me that that version, some version of that same story exists in other communities as well. 
at the same time, if I'm a campground owner and my business is booming with the demographics that I have that have historically come to my own establishment, I don't necessarily have a catalyst for me as an owner to go create or to go expand my demographic outreach because I don't need to from a business standpoint. Right now, the, the industry is in a growth phase. Certainly not, it's mature, but it's growing crazy like crazy and campgrounds are hard to build. So there's not enough campgrounds to meet the demand that's out there. Something needs to incentivize campground owners that don't naturally have that inborn instinct to do that, as somebody also saying earlier, to reach out to new demographics, just as those demographics they haven't historically camped, LGBT community, people of color, whatnot, having a catalyst to make them want to go camping. That could be a marketing campaign. It could be an ex, you know, it could be a third-party circumstance, like something like this pandemic has caused a lot of people to suddenly go out. It could be changing in cultural norms, like teleworking. That is a huge influx of, of full-time RV campers and our you know, full-time campers is a huge adjustment for legacy campground owners. And no one thing is going to do any bit of good if it's not met by some either opportunity or engineered circumstance to match it. Yeah, it's chicken egg, but it's in reality, it's both. And it's striking while that iron is hot that's going to make real change. I think I lost connection, guys. I'm so sorry, everyone. When the Al, when you were speaking, and I apologize, I didn't hear everything you were saying, but uh, to that question that was asked in regards to Canada, we're working with the national and state parks right now as a company, as a firm. And we're also working with a lot of the, a lot of the groups out there, for instance, RVIA and RVDA, what I've shared with them in, in, in several of my conversations is that we have to start at the thing to have like paraded around in uh, RVs and on billboards and things of that nature. But it's another thing to educate us about RVing, financing, particularly because we've dealt with so much redlining and understanding what financing is in regards to RVs. But it's another thing is to educate those sales folks that are actually at these RV dealerships who do not look like me and may not see folks that look like me come in and sharing with them some of the plights that we do have and when it comes to financing and things of that nature. All these things that, that I speak of, I tell folks all the time, we try to get as much data so that we're not speaking so much on opinions because at the end of the day, I think the industry in the last last six to seven months has decided to say, listen, we have an issue. And rather than having it, well, not necessarily an issue, but an opportunity, we have a $1.2 trillion opportunity, uh, really a $560 billion opportunity, which is what we spend, particularly Black folks spend in a consumer space of a non-equitable product. And I think for me, we will continue as a company to educate folks. Black folks about the outdoors, we're going to continue to educate the lifestylers, which don't look like me about why we haven't been in the outdoors, educate the industry on how to, to, to not only just market to us, but to educate us as well. It, it, it's one thing to want to do something. It's another thing to know how to do it, right? Yeah. When you take folks out in the outdoors, they don't know what a trailhead is. They don't know what, uh, just what a trail is or having the right, not necessarily having the right equipment because where I, where we live, I live in an area with 250 waterfalls in a two mile radius. And we have black folks in our area that don't even know anything about those waterfalls. So it's not necessarily about access, what we found. It's more so about being educated because no one is twisting anyone's arms to go into the outdoors. Our company, what we plan to do, we want to uh, educate and invite folks to want to do this on their own. The more folks who want to do this on their own, the better we, the better we believe the outcome will be.
Lindsay, you've been kind of quiet over there. Do you have anything to add to the conversation? I just appreciate listening to her. Enjoy it. Thoroughly. I just, I think a lot of it's, I think Earl is on the leading and the front edge of this, and he's willing to put himself into to uncomfortable situations, as is Al. Maybe that's, and guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's, you are bigger men who are more forceful. I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of women in my life, women of color, that anytime I invite them to go out camping or out playing in the woods, they would say, over oh, my dead body, I'm good. No, thank you. And so it's a lot of that discomfort and it's not only the discomfort of them personally, but it's also educating the folks ar ar around us and, and shielding them from any of the, the negative things that, that go wrong when you bring people places. It, it might not be blatant in, in your face aggression or calling people out or pushing people on a trail or something like that. But the derogatory comments and the negative things that I've heard said while on the trail with some of my friends of color, it's, it's bullshit that nobody should have to deal with. And that's unfortunate. And so the choice is then, hey, I can go and I can put myself in an uncomfortable situation and get treated like crap on top of it. Or I can stay in a city with people that I know and do the things that, that I'm comfortable with. And so it comes down to organizations and companies like Gouder there that are willing to create a safe space and then take a group of people out to experience a thing together where the entire experience is curated. And if something goes wrong, there's an entire support system to be able to support whatever it is that went wrong to really handle the situation. And arguably that fosters confidence in those potentially marginalized groups. I know I don't want to compare my scenario, but I will say being a single mom, taking my kids out camping is incredibly daunting. But that's, that's exactly what it is, Kara. Yeah. But doing so in in a group of other single moms and all of our kids are together and we all help each other back the armies in and all those things, that's far more comfortable for me. And I think that's just human nature. And it does inspire me to the more comfortable I get, the more often I want to do it and the more willing I am to step outside of my comfort zone and try something newer and also with less need for that support system, I can start to venture out and do more of those things independently, the more confident I get. I think all of those things are are steps to, to getting there. Again, all the dominoes, all the things are contributing here for all at once. And, no, that's, and that's huge. And I think what Earl mentioned earlier as well in terms of being able to just educate people that is a huge part of it and we have to start we have to start somewhere and building confidence it's huge being able to provide people the opportunity to try and experiment and do new things and it's not just in the outdoors it's in general if and to earl's point even earlier at the beginning of the conversation just the historical aspects of it that most people don't understand there's a million reasons why a lot of my friends who are folks of color do not want to go out and they do not want to camp especially from an immigration standpoint i have a couple of friends that i've organized trips with that their parents have been mortified that they came to this country to build a better lives for themselves they came from absolutely nothing they had no place to live and they lived outdoors and that was not success for them then their children are coming here and they're going on a camping trip and they're paying for it that blows their mind. And so there's a lot of familial pressures as well and cultural discrepancies between here and everywhere else in the world that people are, are not aware of that also create the pressures that are creating the environment that we're in currently. As in these other parts, please real.
So let me ask something that you guys can take wherever you want, and it may or may not be controversial, but we've heard a lot about so, education, and this needs to be done from uh, everyone. Uh, my flight is going to be. Oh, you're okay, Earl. Do you need to go for your flight? No, I, go ahead and state your question. I'm sorry. My, I think I have a just a lag time in the conversation because of my service. I apologize. No, that's okay. No problem at all. So my question was just uh, we've heard a lot about education and the need for this across the entire conversation, really. My question to each one of you is what is the responsibility for that education in your eyes, your opinion, your experience, your data, whatever it is, from a consumer standpoint, from a campground owner standpoint, from an association or company standpoint or sponsorship or whatever? How does that balance in your eyes? What is the responsibility of the different organizations, associations, people, consumers to either go out and seek that education or to find it through advertising or websites or the work that Earl's doing or things like that. Well, let me, if you guys don't mind, I'll, I'll go first because I'm going to, I'm going to jump off the call. If you don't go ahead, Al, I'm sorry. Go ahead, bro. Oh, I was going to say it is, I want guests to come on our trips and our trips are not all free. Some of them are. So I take it upon myself to invest in content that demonstrates what these experiences are going to be like. Outside of the whole, this is a review or a rating, you can see videos on our website that shows you what you're about to get into. That content plays a humongous role in educating these guests who, for whatever reason, cultural, a sense of safety, whatever reason they, they might not want to come out, they are now convinced, you know what, I can do this and I can come out. What I'd love to be able, what I'd love to see is companies do the same, where if they want to reach a certain audience, they create, maybe not ads, but whatever they create to do that. Now, a lot of the cool flashy videos I see from retailers and manufacturers are just featuring the product, featuring the coolest, what they think is cool. It's not necessarily what the actual experience will be of the person. How does, how does a Hispanic, how does a Mexican or Cuban or Dominican immigrant who comes to this country appreciate and learn to value fishing? If they've never done it at home, if they've never been introduced to it here, how do they learn to value and pay for skiing if they've never done it in their countries? So. Part of what I'm trying to do, part of what companies should be doing is showing the value of those experiences, those products being out and then of participating in outdoor activities by creating more and more content. So the education piece, I agree hundred percent. I just think it should be done a different way. It shouldn't be, I don't want to put the onus on the person who we're trying to sell to, to be the one to seek out that education. I got to force that education right down their throats, get vaccinated, get vaccinated, get vaccinated. It's good for you. Until they finally say, you know what, it might actually be good for me. And then they come out. And I think that's what I feel about that. Hey, hey, I'm sorry, Al, you, I don't know if you guys can hear me or not, but Al, I didn't hear you at all. So I'm going to have to, you're going to have to email me your, 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 uh, your uh, contact information because I want to hear it. It sounded like you was giving some good information and I couldn't hear any of it. And I don't know if you guys can hear me or not. But I, I didn't hear any of it, and I apologize. But I want to go ahead, if you don't guys don't mind, I'll go ahead and state my last statements here as I'm going to go catch a flight here. I'm not sure if you can hear me or not. If you can hear me, shake your head, yes, if you can or not. But I want to just say this to folks, and I always end my conversation with this. I tell folks, listen, I'm a good times kid, if you're going to reference that to uh, a sitcom. I'm a good times kid living a huxtable lifestyle. That means I understand the struggle of money. I understand the struggle of classism. I understand the struggle of not having uh, places to go in the outdoors. I was raised by a single mother who didn't know what to do in the outdoors. That's one of the reasons why I didn't know what to do in the outdoors. As I stand now in my particular space as a 45-year-old man, I have a legacy. 
And my legacy is not to for another company to make a ton of money, which been done in the past. My, my legacy is to educate, remove fear, and invite more black folks to camp and enjoy the outdoor lifestyle with any and everyone. And doing that, I want to make sure that everyone around us, particularly campgrounds, particularly RV industry, the outdoor industry, that folks are educated on why we're not in the outdoors because I can't do this alone. And the folks on this call, we can't do this alone. So why not just get everyone educated about what's going on and what we feel and what we're going through and then let those folks jump in the boat and start rowing as well. So we all can be doing this together. And when we all do this together, what we're gonna find is we're gonna find that we, we're gonna get in these spaces and we're gonna find out we've been, we've been creating chaos for one another in different spaces for reasons that are unknown or necessarily that are maybe that, that are known. I can't, I tell folks all the time, I can't guarantee you're gonna be safe at the campground. I can't guarantee you're gonna be safe in, in, in public lands. But what I can do is we can get you educated, excuse me, because we build DEI. Our DEI stands for Digital Education Initiative. We have an allotment almost $700,000 for the next two years creating this DEI, this digital education initiative to make sure that folks are educated about the reasons why certain groups have not been in the outdoors and then educate those folks to want to go out and enjoy this. So the bottom line, the bottom line for us is that I don't want to go bashing anyone. I don't want folks to feel bad. I want folks to get on board so we can make this better. And the more we make it better, we'll make it better for my children. When Earl B. Hunter Jr., when I leave this earth, all I care about, all I want folks to remember me for is that I helped remove fear, add knowledge, and invited more black folks to camp and enjoy the outdoor lifestyle with any and everyone. On that note, I hope all of you have the most amazing day of your life. But more than that, I hope tomorrow is better. And I'll see you down the road somewhere, Al and the rest of the group. My email is very simple. You can email me at info at blackfolkscamp2.com. We have a full staff and we're ready to have conversation to figure out how we can actually get to the next level and so that we can spend 20% of our time on the issue and 80% of our time on the solution. Hope you guys have an amazing day and we'll be in touch. Thank you, Earl. Safe ride, Earl. You know, I, I uh, just want my last closing thing to say real quick. I, I don't pretend to have uh, all of the data that, that Earl certainly has at his disposal. But one of the things that would help grow minority audiences to this lifestyle, to this, whether it's full timing or just weekend warrior having fun, whether it's a destination campground or going to a national park or some you know, Dollywood, right? All of those things aside, having people in their own community, in our own community, talking about it creates an awareness and, and it does it both to the consumer as well as to the businesses that are hoping or that we that want to get this business. So our YouTube channel, Full-Time Gays, we started off reviewing gay campgrounds and a lot of people were like, oh, well, this is great. I'm gonna start, go. I'm gonna go start gay camping. Or if I've gone to one, I'm gonna go to another one now because I have an idea of what it's like. Meanwhile, campground owners also take notice. And so they ask us, what are some things that we should do? our video and we'll tell you or they they in advance of our arrival for better or for worse they maybe they're making some updates or some upgrades that had been put in a back burner for a year or a season or 10 years because now they know they're about to be reviewed and so they suddenly have an interest and a motivation to go do those things 
that are going to be called out in a video, which the end user is going to see, which is going to drive them more business. And at the same time, creating more awareness in the community at large, not just those already predisposed to camping. That's not the only solution, but it's part of the solution. Sponsorships obviously would help with advertising or marketing campaigns that show people of a given demographic would help campground owners or publications and magazines proactively doing interest stories or some kind of story that bring in other demographics with all of those things help. But getting excitement, getting that kind of ground level, ground swelling support and excitement and awareness makes a big difference. Thank you, Eddie. I really appreciate it. Lindsay, any last words? I think everyone's doing a, a great job. Super appreciate, Eddie, what you were just saying. And I think the responsibility really does fall all of us. If we can all work personally on ourselves and whatever issues we need to work through and understand, or at least attempt to understand why it is that Eddie and David, you guys being gay, I'm offended. Why, like, why am I so upset about that? Ugh, man, I'm really pissed that you look the way you do. Like, why does that actually bother me? What's going on there? And then I think from there, we're able to better ourselves and create the space, create better opportunities for each other. And so I think that's what we really need to push. And honestly, I have a daughter who's in, in kindergarten. And what do they treat? What do they teach them? Treat people that you want to be treated. At the end of the day, five-year-olds get it. They can handle it. We should all really be able to do that, especially at this point. And if you don't want to do it, I know that this a little bit in some ways has a little bit of a, a business tilt in terms of why, how we all gathered here. If you don't want to be a good person, you can do it for the most financially driven purposes ever. And that is that you will get more people to your business. And if you would like to make more money, make your business more diverse at the end of the day, even if you don't want to do it for kind or good hearted reasons. <laughs> from the strictly capitalistic perspective that is also the the win your roi will be higher which i hope you do it for kind reasons but i digress thank you Lindsay. i really appreciate you joining us al do you have any last words <laughs> everything uh, Lindsay just said if the the financial incentive is there you just need to wake up and do it. And if it takes a review from, from Dave and Eddie coming to your, to your place, you get yourself put together, you clean, you fix. And, and also I want to make a big uh, shout out to, to Americans with disabilities, uh, Canadians with disabilities. They also need to be factored into this whole conversation. It's not just what color your skin is. It's not just what, what your preferences are, but it's also whether you can actually walk up a little set of stairs. Like you may have some challenges with that. All of these groups of people tend to be left out of these conversations. And when it comes to willingness, I think the, look, if all these groups we've been talking about spend lots of money. And if it's a $900 billion industry right now, with 60 to 70% of that population being just what, what most people think of as, as a typical American, you're still leaving a whole lot of other people out of that conversation, which if they were welcomed in with the proper welcome red carpet treatment and the right amenities and the right, you know, sort of sensitivities and, and more importantly, respect the same respect Lindsay's talking about those five years are giving each other with that respect you'd be making so much more money in this business i i don't have a lot of high hopes earl, earl seems to have enough hope for all of us so i'm hoping that it rubs off somewhere i'm gonna just stick to doing what i'm doing which is we're gonna do it by hook or by crook one way or another and hopefully on the other end of this when i'm deep in the grave you know when i'm number four is the industry did change even if it was a little bit because people are now demanding that they be treated with respect instead of waiting for the industry to do it for to them. So 
That's my last bit. Thank you so much, yeah. Al. I really appreciate you joining us. Same thing I said, Lindsay, already. David and Eddie, I know David had to step away, but Eddie, really appreciate you guys joining us. Uh, I really hope that all of you will be more involved. I know you already are with the industry going forward, but at least more involved in, in maybe modern campground and, and the voices and the platforms that we can do our, our very small part to help you share your messages, to help increase education, awareness, what needs done, what doesn't need done, who needs to do it, how it needs to happen, all those kinds of things. And I know uh, I'm hopeful that Angela will reach out to each one of you individually, and maybe we can figure out ways where if you want to contribute through columns or interviews, or if we just want to simply do something as small as post David and Eddie's videos on our website so more people can see those things. Whatever that action needs to take, just hopefully you can help continue to be a part of that conversation with us. So we know where it needs to go because I'm not the person to guide that conversation. All of you are. So I don't think I have anything else to add. Kara, Angela, any closing statements? No, I just want to say thanks to everybody for your time and, and for joining us. And it was great to meet you all. I think these are super important conversations and certainly from the association standpoint, it can potentially play a, a valuable role in disseminating the kind of education and perspectives to to our members, our campground operators across the country. So I'm committed to continuing to do that. However, we can potentially be in touch with you guys as well in the coming weeks and look forward to that. Thank you so much. I don't know because awesome. my connection isn't great, but thank you all so much for joining us today. Appreciate it. And I will Yeah. So thank you guys so much. Look. Awesome. Thank you, everybody. We're going to wrap it up. But just as a reminder, uh, this video will be available on mcfiresidechats.com. We'll put it on moderncampground.com as well. Get some extra eyeballs on it. It's available on social media in perpetuity and as a podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, all those kinds of places. So again, looking forward to continuing the conversation with all of you, whether that's through articles, interviews, videos, having you back on the show, whatever it may be, uh, to continue to drive that conversation. I really appreciate you guys being here. We'll see you next week for another show. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thanks for watching this episode of MC Fireside Chats, hosted by Brian Searle and Kara Sismadia. Have a suggestion for a future show or want to see your campground or company as part of an episode? Email us at hello at moderncampground.com. Join us next week for another episode. And don't miss the latest outdoor hospitality news and commentary from around the world at moderncampground.com.